Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. been fun to go through these uh, uh, videos, these movies, and, and uh, learn some principles from them and share them with your friends and, and tell them how that they can learn something from the scripture with parallel illustrations uh, out of these movies. So uh, it's been good. But our, our feature today talks about uh, a guy that uh, we've all heard about one way or the other, whether, whether you've seen the movie or not or seen the clips uh, you've heard this story. How many read the story years ago when you were real little? Like, yeah, okay. Some of you are not sure you should admit that. You're kind of like, well, look around, see if anybody else read it. <laughs> then you raise your hand. Uh, but these illustrations and these clips from today's movie is about a guy, uh, Dr. Seuss. We've all heard his name before, haven't we? And Dr. Seuss designed the story of Grinch after himself. We find out that he was 53 when he wrote the story. And he created the Grinch because he actually lost the meaning of Christmas himself. He was trying to rediscover what the real meaning of Christmas was all about. He was on a conquest or on a quest to rediscover that and find out for himself so that he could uh, express that to somebody else. Because when you've had it and you lose it, you know that there is an emptiness there. So this whole story of Grinch takes place in a, in a little town called Whoville. I think that's an interesting name, Whoville. Like who lives there in the ville? We're going to talk about that a little later on. But the Grinch was a, a mean old character we hear from the song, from the story. And he looked a little different from all the other people in Whoville. He didn't look the same. Of course, they all looked a little different, but he really looked different. He hated all the other people because of what they were celebrating. He did not like Christmas itself. So he hated Christmas. He hated people who tried to put it on. And whenever his name was mentioned, the Grinch, didn't something just happen to you when I said the Grinch? You saw little pictures pop up in your mind of what you think the Grinch was or who he was. You know that he's something separate from all the other wonderful things of Christmas. The same thing was happening in that story in that town of Whoville. As soon as they said his name, they would all shudder and like, yeah, we, we know what he's all about. Nobody liked him, but there was one little girl in the story. There was one person in who, all of Whoville who saw something different. There was something different about Grinch to her. 
She was very inquisitive, and she saw something different in him that was below the surface. There had to be a reason that called the Grinch to become like he was. I can imagine that the word and the name Grinch did, all, did not always mean something negative. But she saw that he had a need as well. There was something below the surface that caused him to be who he was, and that was because of a need inside of him. And so as you watch the story, if you haven't, go get the movie, watch it. But it, 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 he, she realizes that there's something deep inside of him that's a need to find out the real spirit of Christmas one more time. It helps us to see that our world is full of Grinches. Anybody ever seen a Grinch? <laughs> Somebody said everywhere. <laughs> they're all around. Now, they're, they're not green. And they may not always be as hairy as the guy in the character in the movie is. But we have those Grinches. Those people that just do not like Christmas or they're just miserable. You run, them in, run into them in Walmart. I run, them in, I run into them in traffic on 17A. <laughs> it's like, man, there's a bunch of Grinches out here. And I have to really fight not to become one <laughs> when I'm in the middle of all that. <laughs> but she, this little girl named Cindy Lou, I told my wife when, when I knew I was going to be uh, doing the sermon, I said, honey, I got a sermon that's just about you. <laughs> Because I knew, I knew some of her brothers had called her Cindy Lou or whatever, you know, teasing her and stuff. Uh, and then I think others called her Cindy Sue. So she's had all, all kinds of little tags put on that. But Cindy Lou was one who saw something different, and she had a mission. She took it on herself to reconcile or bring the Grinch back to the community and the community to the Grinch. There had to be a reason. He wasn't always mean and spiteful and hateful and, and didn't like all of this stuff, so she took it on herself. And because of her ultimate intervention and in to try to reach the Grinch, what we know is the story of, of how the Grinch stole Christmas, it really becomes a transition into how Cindy saved the Grinch. And that's what we can do today. So this, this is our underlying message in this whole thing today. As we who are part of the body of Christ, we have a responsibility to reach out and find the Grinch in our world and find out what's causing them to become like they are, whether we understand it or not, and then save the Grinch and bring them back in. So that's our message. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 19, if you want to stand with me while we read this together. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19. It says this, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Wow. The old is gone. The new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, but he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. The message to bring together again the spirit of Christmas to all of those who have maybe become a Grinch. Let's pray. 
Lord, I thank you for your presence. I thank you, Lord, for what you've already done in the service this morning, your, your spirit that is here. And I pray, God, that as we, we go through this word today, God, that you would challenge us to get out into the world and minister to those who need the spirit of Christmas, the spirit of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can be seated. Now, the Grinch's story story and all his troubles began when he was just a little fella and he had a crush on a girl in school and you guys been there he had a crush on a girl like in school like most of us guys have had at some point or another and at the same time he had another rival somebody else who liked the same girl that he did how many remember going to elementary in elementary school you had these little cards these little notes do you love me notes you know, if you like me, of course, we were too, too timid to use the word love then. We just used the word like. So you'd write on this little piece of paper, do you like me? And you'd have three little boxes. Yes, no, and maybe. <laughs> you know, and, and, and you were just really shy. You didn't want anybody to know, so you Sometimes you hit it somewhere, you slide it on their desk, or, or maybe if you're really sneaky, you knew which coat they wore to school that day in the winter, and you stuck it in the coat pocket while it was hanging at the back. And then you'd hide around the corner to see if they pulled it out and read it. You know? How many ever wrote that note and never signed it? Okay, anybody? I got one hand. Okay. Isn't that kind of funny? Probably more of you did. You wrote the note, but you didn't sign it, so you don't know if they liked you or not. Because <laughs> they're looking at the note, looking around, saying, I don't know who wrote this, you know, kind of thing. Well, this is kind of what Scrooge went through. Scrooge, I'm saying Scrooge. Grinch. The Grinch went through because he, he liked this girl. He wanted to attract her attention. And we've been there. I remember when uh, uh, I met Cindy on, on the campus at college. Uh, I had seen her, and, and I was checking her out from a distance. And so one day we were, uh, we were in the registration line at college, uh, registering for our classes, you know, and I thought, hey, this is, this is the opportunity. So I'm trying to be cool. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> you don't really have any pickup lines or anything <laughs> in the registration line. <laughs> so I'm just saying, hey, how's it going? And uh, good, good, you know. So we just kind of casually talked, and then I said, I got real brave. Hey, we'll have to get together sometime. Check this out. I don't see any future in it. <laughs> Whoo! <laughs> My balloon just lost all its air. You know, it wasn't a slow drizzle like, you know, probably flying all around the room. <laughs> so she just simply said, I don't see any future in it. And the story behind her line was that she had been hurt by another gentlemanless, or, or less than gentlemanless, but it, <laughs> I'll pick at him, you know, it's my, my advantage. So she was hurt, and so she didn't want to get, you know, involved with anybody else for a while. So that was her line to me. I don't see any future in it. But as you see, there was a future. <laughs> We're talking, uh, what, 38 years? I got married when I was 15, y'all. Come on. 
It's been awesome. Uh, it's, it's been awesome. But that's kind of what was going on in, in, uh, in his situation. Now, his elementary teacher for the Grinch had challenged them to make a gift and bring it to class and give it to somebody. And he thought, hey, this is my opportunity to win the girl of my dreams, Martha. But before the class was dismissed, the rival character in the, in the movie, this other little guy, began to make fun of the Grinch and say, man, nobody's going to like you. You're eight years old and you got a beard. <laughs> you don't have a chance. But nonetheless, the Grinch goes home. He gets this gift. He puts it all together. He comes back. He tries to, you know, well, just check out what happened. You don't have a chance with her. You're eight years old and you have a beard. Has everyone given their gifts? I haven't. Merry Christmas, Martha May. Why do you have a bag on your head? Probably because he's embarrassed by that idiot's gift. Mr. Grinch, please take the bag off. Yes, you take it off. Put the book down. And your foot. Look at that hack job. Messed up his world. Messed up his life because the one thing that he wanted to draw to himself now was ruined. He suddenly had pain inflicted into, in, on the inside, not just on the outside from the razor burn. But what happened to his heart made it cold and hard and calloused. And that's what happens to so many people in our world today. Here in the real world, our world is full of Grinches who have gone through similar situations that have caused them pain and hurt. And so they immediately begin to draw with inside themselves. You see, pain affects people. Pain affects people. Whether you realize it or not, all of us are shaped by the experiences that we face in life and that we walk through. It's not only our past, but sometimes our present. It's the things that we've just gone through last week that begin to shape and mold us and create things in our life that cause us pain and hurt. The reality is that we live in an unfair world. How many know the world is not fair? Constantly we get in situations and we feel like, why me? I say that. Oh yeah, okay, okay, so it's my fault. <laughs> you ever do that? <laughs> 
You're so frustrated at what's happening that you take it in on yourself. And you're okay, yeah. Yeah, he pulled in front of me, but it's my fault. We begin to internalize all these things that are happening. Whether it's our past or our, our yesterday's activity and reality, the experience that we go through shapes us. And sometimes it's not just individual people, but sometimes it's groups of people that shape us and mold us because of what we've experienced and received as a kickback from sometimes a whole group. We are all a product of what we've gone through. But that should in turn cause us to have compassion on those who are showing it on the outside. What caused an insecure person to become insecure? What caused that mean person, we call them, as in the Grinch, what caused them to become mean? What causes a a withdrawn person to become an introvert and to pull back from people and put up a front? What causes the rebellious person to rebel? We just put tags on them and say, well, that's who they are. But there's something that has caused that, something that has stirred that. By no means does it justify what they're doing because they're taking it out on other people. What's happened in their past doesn't necessarily justify it, but there are circumstances that have caused it, and that's what we need to get into. The hard truth is, is that if somebody doesn't do something about the pain that was inflicted, the whole trauma will continue to multiply over and over and over and have a domino effect. It begins to replicate not only in their life, but to the people they come in contact with. The Grinch's actions can affect other people. You see it, you experience it. In the Old Testament, there's a story about a young girl, a virgin girl named Tamar. And she was raped by her half-brother, Amnon. It's a sad story, and it shows us on several, several levels how that pain can continue to just dominate effect into so many others' lives. Amnon was the son of David, and he loved Tamar. He wanted her. He was attracted to her, and he wanted her so bad that he said, hey, I just can't stand it any longer. So he set up this whole scenario, this whole situation, you know, orchestrated events so that he would have an opportunity for her to be in his room and they would be alone together and that's where he began his attack. He got her there and he tried to convince her to sleep with him, to have a relationship with him and she would not. In the second Samuel chapter 13, let me just read it for you. She says, no, my brother, she said in return, don't force me. Such a thing should not be done in Israel. Do not do this wicked thing. What about me? Where could I get rid of this disgrace? And what about you? You would be like one of the wicked fools in Israel. Please speak to the king, and he will not keep me from being married to you. But he refused to listen to her, and since he was stronger than she, he raped her. This one stupid decision by Amnon caused a whole domino of events We don't have time to get into the whole story, but she begged him even after the fact, marry me. I know the king would not refuse our marriage. And he refused instead by even going to the point of saying, get out of my sight and get out of here. He wanted just to get rid of her. And now you see a broken young girl, broken and wounded by a situation that she could not control herself that she maybe tried to fight and resist, but it did not work. And so in return, there was a pain inflicted on her 
emotionally that went far beyond any of the physical. See, people are suffering today far beyond what we see on the surface. All of her dreams of becoming married and having a family and settling down and having the whole nice little picture were dashed and destroyed. Because now she became an outcast to her community, to her culture. She had no choice but to run off and just be by herself. Ended up in social, emotional, and moral isolation. But what about Amnon, the guy? Does he get off scot-free? Read the whole story, we find out that Tamar's other brother, Absalom, heard the news and he took up her pain. He said, I'll defend her. So now she's hurting. Her life is seemingly destroyed. And her brother says, hey, I can handle this. He heard the news. He took her pain. He carried it out. And he went to Amnon and eventually murdered him. So the pain that started here is now replicated into another life. And now he's created pain that he doesn't even realize at the point. So he commits murder. And then David finds out all about this. And then he becomes bitter towards Absalom, his own son, because of the murder, all that taken place. He's probably already forgotten about Tamar. He's far removed from that. All he knows is there's a murder been taking place and you did it. And now, and it just begins to replicate over and over. The bitterness passes from one person to another. The pain passes from one to another. And if you keep reading the whole story, David's life was affected to the point that it affected not only his family, but an entire nation. You see, the Grinch that you run into is hurting because pain that's been inflicted in his life. And it's not just him that it's affecting. We find out that that person who is a Grinch to us is hurting so bad that it's affected his children and his family and the neighborhood he lives in because other people around him say, oh yeah, the guy down the street. In the same way that they said, oh yeah, Grinch, the guy that lives up in the cave up on the mountain. You see, that's what pain can do. That's what disappointment happens or does to people. What we need to understand is we're not dealing with the surface. We're only dealing with something that seems to be one way, but there's something deep inside of it. But let me ask you a question. What's your story? Maybe some of you this morning have got some unresolved issues, unresolved pain, things that you're hurting about, things that you've been carrying, and you don't mean to become a Grinch, you don't mean to appear like a Grinch, but because of what's inside, the hurt comes to the surface. And then what you say and how you react and how you respond. We recognize it in others, but we don't always see it in ourselves. Boy, they're in a bad mood today. <laughs> and the next minute, we're snapping at somebody. We're getting frustrated. That's what happens in my world. What about yours? When I get so frustrated over traffic, I have to back up and say, okay, they can't hear anything I'm saying in the car anyway. (laughs) Nobody been there. You're so frustrated, you're so aggravated with something that you begin to talk to them. Can't you see where I'm going? I was going to park there. Don't they know what's going on in my life? We have to reel it back in. Because we don't know what kind of hurry they're in or why they're in a hurry or what's going on in their life. 
But yet we recognize the frustration in other people and forget to see our own disappointments, the things that's causing us to become like a Grinch. They're headed in a wrong direction because of the pain that's going on in their life. But we can change that. Who has robbed you of your joy of Christmas? It's important to know that pain affects people. But suddenly, and secondly, it's just important to know that grace can redirect people. Check this out. the nomination for that who among us who best typifies the qualities of Hoodum and Hooderee, the Whoville Holiday Cheermeister. Do I hear the nomination? I nominate the Grinch! Huh? <laughs> my, my, my. What an altruistic daughter you have there, Lou. Thank you. Cindy? Let me uh, quote a verse from the book of Who. Thank you. Ah, the term Grinchy shall apply when Christmas spirit is in short Supply, now I ask you, does that sound like our holiday cheermeister? True, Mr. Mayhew, but the Book of Who says this too. No matter how different a Who may appear, he will always be welcome with holiday cheer. Well, yes, but the, the uh, book also says the, uh, the award cannot go to the Grinch because sometimes uh, things get uh, lead pipe cinch. Say that. Oh, no, 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 it does. What page? Ah, uh, oops, lost my, uh, my, my place, but it's, it's, it's in here. But the book does say the cheermeister is the one who deserves a backslap or a toast, and it goes to the soul at Christmas who needs it most. And I believe that soul is the Grinch. And if you're the who's, I hope you are. You will, too. She's right. <laughs> the only one in all of Whoville who had compassion on the Grinch was little Cindy Lou. She took a bold step to step out from outside of her community and what other people thought to extend grace to the one who needed it the most. She saw somebody who was separated from her community, somebody who was really suffering down deep, somebody who was different from the others in their town, but they needed it. She wanted to give somebody something that they needed. The Grinch that in your world is the one who needs the spirit of Christmas more. We get frustrated, we get aggravated at those who, who get on our nerves when the reality is they need it more than we. If we have the spirit of Christ in us, well, then we need to give them the very thing they need. And they call it in the movie here, the, the cheermeister. 
The person who would be set up as one who would direct everything else because of the cheer, and they would uh, begin to exalt the whole spirit of cheer. Can you imagine the, the Grinches that you come across that they become the very person that would promote Jesus, the spirit of Christmas? When we see them on the surface, we go, there's no way. This guy down the street, there's, there's no way. But yet they're the one who's need the love of Christ the most. And so little Cindy made it her, her mission to nominate the most unlikely person. I think we should nominate the Grinch. I think he should be the one. And that was totally opposite of what everybody else thought. It's kind of like us in the church. It's a good illustration of how we need to be. That the church sometimes, we love Jesus, we're thankful for his grace, but at the same time, we can be selective towards those that are outside of how we live or look or think. If we want others to see us, okay? If I want attention, if I want others to be like me, then what do I do? I go to the Facebook thing and I go, I like them. (laughs) And they like me because they liked me on their page. (laughs) And what we don't realize what we're doing in that one little illustration is we're creating a culture or we're creating our own little community of people who like me because they are like me. Who is hurts, don't it? We tell them who we are, where we live. We share pictures. We do all kinds of stuff with these people that we call, you know, our friends. We have a thousand friends where you never met them. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And now if they don't fit within our little culture, within our little group, click. Unlike you. <laughs> you know, we, we just turn them off. We just flip the little switch and, and we're done. There's, it's amazing how many different groups and social groups and styles and circles of friends that we all have. I want to borrow the, the title or one of the words out of this, this movie. Uh, they call Whoville. I think it's an interesting name. I looked up the, the suffix ville, V-I-L-L-E, according to Wikipedia. Wow, that's a big word. This is what the dictionary says. It comes from a word village referring to a group of people. That's simple, Ville. Summerville. We live in one of those villes. We're in a group of people. We have our own little culture, our own little people. But who do you allow in and who do you shut out? Who is in your ville? See, it, it, I think we need to look at where it, it hurts. Let's look at some of the terms we've used to talk about who is in our world, who is in our ville. For a time, we used a word, and we heard a lot about it, called the village. Remember, it takes a village to raise a child? That phrase actually came from an African phrase that was borrowed by politicians and then titled after a book. The village. The reality is, a lot of people don't even like the chief of the village, much less the villagers. (laughs) How many of you want to raise somebody else's child? Doesn't matter what village they're from. <laughs> we like our kids, but when you're at Walmart, you hear them screaming and crying. You don't want to raise their kids. I like my village. <laughs> I don't want to get involved in that one. 
And then, we, then another buzzword started coming out called community. There was a whole movement towards this community thing, community, community, everywhere. We need, we say we want community. Let's develop a, a community feeling so that we all feel accepted and we all connect and, and, it, and it's all warm, fuzzy thing. But the reality is, it is difficult for people to envision a community that includes people when actually the communities we look and see around us separates people. I mean, think about it. We have the Homeowners Association. That's just one of my little pet peeves. We, we like them. Some of us like them because it keeps certain things out that we don't want in our community. But they tell you what, where you can park and when you can park it, when to put your trash out and when to take it in. And that whole we don't realize it, but that whole mentality of community is now separating other people. Do you realize that you can go to some communities and drive from one to the other and not even think about it? But you go to some community and, oh, you got to stop now. i got to have a car to get in. You see, we lived, my wife and I lived in a place for uh, about three and a half years to where everything around there was like in communities. But you had to know somebody or have your car to get into that community. There wasn't a whole lot of community feeling to that. What was worse was, they named some of these communities after plantations. I don't know about you, but for some folks, that's not a good connotation. Let's move to the plantation. How many know what I'm talking about? The very thing that we think we're projecting is to the world is not always accepting. Are you with me? We, not only do we have communities, but we have cultures and nationalities that separate us and create separations rather than reaching out to our, quote, community and our village and our culture and our nationalities. Instead, we look at them and we say, oh, there's city folks, there's country folks, there's preppy people, there's rednecks. You can raise your hand when I name your group. <laughs> oh, wait, I don't want to do that. We have Spanish people, we have African, we have Indian, we have Muslim. The list is too long. To write. We even have motorcycle cultures, don't we? Sure we do. We got the Harley Davidson group. We got the sport bike group. And probably the moped group. I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of different cultures out there. And you can see it by the way we dress, what we do, where we go. All of these cultures, we've developed these cultures ourselves and they're full of Grinches, and we don't realize we're creating them ourselves by separating it. The question is, who is in your bill? And I got news for you. There is a Grinch there. I hope it's not us. You see, there were other characters in this, in this movie. In these clips, you see all these strange-looking people. They have funny noses. They have real narrow chins. I mean, they're a strange-looking bunch, but yet they look at the Grinch like he's the weird one. They got cups on top of their head. It doesn't spill anything, by the way. You'll see that in one of the clips if you hadn't already. We separate ourselves, but yet we're at the same time we say we want to include one another. But who is in your veal? The bottom line is the intention of Christ is for us to extend grace to all those people, no matter how mean, how different what their culture is, what their nationality is, but to reach out and cross the lines and say, hey, I want to be involved with your life. I want you to know the spirit of, of Jesus Christ, the spirit of Christmas. You see, grace goes beyond the culture. It goes beyond the style. It goes beyond the dress. It doesn't matter where you live. 
We used to talk about things like, you know, oh, they live on the other side of the tracks. We don't use that term so much now. But even our communities separate people. And so we talk about the person that lives on that side of town or over on this area. Well, you know where they live. Rather than reaching out and knowing that he wants us to reach them. They are in our veal. Colossians chapter 4 verses 5 and 6 says this. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity and let your conversation be full, always full of grace. Always full of grace. Seasoned with salt so that you know how to answer everyone. Our our role is to reach out during this time of year more than any other. There's so many people hurting for different reasons. Find out what's going on in their life. You see, Jesus called us to be fishers of men. Fishers of men. Now notice something. I realized why they call it fishing instead of catching. Because I don't catch a lot. But I like to go fishing. I like to go out in the boat. Float down the river. Throw that line out there. And every once in a while get a little tug. But it's more fun now if you do catch something to admire it and, and throw it back. But they call it fishing because you don't always catch Jesus called us to be fishers of men. He never said you'll be catchers of men. Quit worrying about the results and worry about fishing. Throwing the line out, finding the Grinch out there across from your culture and see what God will do with it. He'll do the cleaning. We don't have to change them. That's where your frustration comes. They're just not like me. And then sometimes we get so spiritual, we'll reach out to them. Maybe we'll get them to come to church, but when they don't change in one week, it upsets our boat, don't it? It takes time for the Grinch to transform. But God's doing it, not us. You see, grace can transform people if we allow grace to operate through our life. Examine your whoville. Examine your whoville. Who's in your veal? Find out who's there, who's hurting. Get into their life. Say, I want to bring to you a message of Jesus Christ. Stop complaining about the commercialization of Christmas. Get out of your vision, your, your little culture and your village and connect with somebody else who's not there. How many times have you already heard the phrase, I'm just so tired of all the commercialization? I'm so tired of Santa Claus. Then when are we going to start promoting Jesus? When they complain about what's wrong with the Christmas tree, then tell them about the evergreen, Jesus Christ. And how that tree represents something that's beyond them. Oh, there's just all these gaudy lights everywhere. But he is the light of the world. Oh, look at all that red and green. The red, the blood of Jesus Christ. Take advantage of what's there in your village, in your veal, and transform it. And do like Cindy Lou. I want to share with you something, she says. She goes after him. I want to nominate him. Who are you nominating today? Who's on your list? You see, Jesus went to the unlovable. 
Cindy Lou in our story went to the most unlikable, unlovable person in the village. And when you do, watch what happens. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet, ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. Grinch's heart grows three times the size it was. He probably didn't even know he had a heart. (laughs) He had no feeling before. But when he began to get the message of Christmas, he realized and said, maybe Christmas doesn't come from a store. One of the best lines in it. Maybe Christmas doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas perhaps means a little bit more. And you see the transformation that took place in him. 
Oh, that we would take the message of Jesus Christ to the Grinch in our world and our Whoville and watch what God does with it. People who seem to be cold and indifferent and have no feeling at all are suddenly changed. You see what happened to him? He just started having all kinds of spasms. He didn't know what feeling was all about. But yet God began to change the people in your world and your Whoville because of what you've shared with them. He has spasms, he falls down, and he uses another key word. He says, help me, I have or I'm having feeling. I love the whole atmosphere and feeling of Christmas because it does get down into our feeling. Aren't you glad for feeling? That's what all of it's about because of how it stirs children and adults alike, but yet there's so many who have lost their feelings, so many who are hurting, so many who are empty. They, you don't know what they've gone through, the past, the present, the last week of losing their job or whatever that's caused them to be where they are and become a Grinch and they're dreading the season because they don't know how they're gonna provide, how they're gonna care for somebody in their family. They've lost it all. My dad had a phrase rung in my ear so many times. He said, you think you're feeling bad? Go to the hospital. <laughs> my first thought was, well, I ain't feeling that bad. <laughs> but his point was, if you think you've got it bad, go to the hospital and just walk through the halls. You don't have to say anything. Just walk through the halls. Just go down the hall and see the family that's gathered around a bed that's hurting because their loved one is laying there. Go into the children's ward. Walk down the hall. See the mom and dad that's deeply broken because their little baby is laying in a bed with hooked up with all kinds of IVs and things. Go to the hospital and you will begin to feel something. Go downtown Somerville or downtown Charleston Begin to look at people who are hurting. They look like a Grinch. They're acting like a Grinch, but they're hurting because of something that's missing inside of them. They seem to have no feeling, but we can restore that feeling. We can present to them the message of Jesus Christ and Christmas that will cause their heart to once again receive feeling and grow three times its size. Let me tell you something. The story of the Grinch is fiction, but the story of Jesus is true. It's real. And we have that story. You can change people. You can change their pain. You can change their hurt just by letting them know that you care. I'm going to ask our ushers to help us right now. Some of you got these cards as you came in. If you didn't, we're going to give you one. But it looked like this. And all you got to do is take this little card and begin to fold it. You'll see the little lines there. And it becomes a gift card. You can fill that out. Put your name on it if you want. Put the church's name on it. Well, it's got the church name on there, Faith, right on the front. And then what I want you to do is I want you to go out and get a gift card of some type and put it inside here as you fold it up and close it. And then it becomes a, a neat little package. I want you to stand with me right now. If you have one of these cards, I want you to put it in your hand. 
Ushers, you guys got some back there? They're going to try to pass some out. And if you don't get them by the time we, we close this, I want you to pick up one on your way out. This is a different day. It's a different message. It's a different story. But I'm challenging you to find out who's in your will. I want you to take this card and hold it in your hand if you have it. If not, just imagine. Because I want you to ask God right now while I'm talking to, to place on your mind somebody that you can give this card to. Some of them you may know already. You may see the person's face in your mind. You may know where they live. You may know where they hang out. You may know the street corner that they're sitting on. Or it may be somebody in your neighborhood that just is, man, you talk about a Grinch. They're it. Sometimes it may be the person who is in real need financially. And you can take a card, a gift card, and purchase it and put it in here and change their life by a simple card. It may be somebody else that, hey, they're doing okay financially. But God has placed them on your mind and on your heart for a specific reason because they're suffering from some pain that has caused them to lose the whole spirit, the whole atmosphere of Christmas, and they have no feeling. But he's placed them on your mind for a reason. It may be somebody you've met it may be somebody you have yet to meet. But I want us as a church, we're doing this across all of our campuses. We're challenging all of our people, all of the people of faith, the family of faith, I call it sometimes, to get out of their little ville into another culture, into another community, and reach out and give somebody the message of Jesus Christ in this important season of their life. It's not just the Christmas season for America or the world, but it's a season in their life. Recognize that. Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org.